0: Hello, friends. It is a new year. Yay. I personally kind of feel like 2023 uh, was intense. It wasn't all bad, but it was just a lot. And I am so, so very ready and happy for, for it to be a new year. I love setting New Year's resolutions. I love the practice of reflecting on the previous year. And I wanted to share a little bit about how I do that and how I do that throughout the year. So what it looks like to have goals and growth and to also maintain a lot of gentleness a lot of compassion towards myself, with a really deep understanding that things change. Like even though I'm hype about some of the resolutions and changes that I'm wanting to make in life this year, I also know that halfway into the year, I might feel really differently, that my life circumstances might change, that things do change, sometimes very rapidly. So to start off with that, I'm actually going to give a little backstory into why it's been so quiet over here. Um, not that I have to tell y'all, <laughs> but I do find that maybe this information will will just make the rest of this episode make even more sense and why I like to have really gracious, soft, flexible goals for the year ahead at the end so like november december of 2024 i um, actually have some breast tumors that were discovered they're really little um, but i'm also really young and so i needed to have multiple scans and some biopsies and we needed to make sure that there was nothing cancerous or suspicious. And that was just a really emotional experience for me. I don't normally sit around thinking quite so much about my boobs, <laughs> quite frankly. And um, and there were a lot of discussions to be had. Um, you know, some that were were just between me and myself and my own body. And some that were between me and my partner and just wanting to make sure that we both were aligned as far as expectations for how my boobs might change if I have surgery or if the cysts don't need to be removed. But that means my breasts are going to look lumpy and... Um, and how that potentially impacts how we feel about each other, or how we connect intimately. And, um, and also just a lot of discussions around our support system, like when do we call in the troops? When do we not? How can we both continue to support each other? And how might that look different, depending on how long and progressive this kind of health check-in is. It is still ongoing. Here in January, I'm going to have some MRIs done, and based off of those MRIs, we'll likely have another round of biopsies and um, potentially surgery. So far, nothing is cancerous. Nothing is spreading. Nothing is particularly concerning. The only thing that's concerning is that they seemingly came out of nowhere and at the same time which is just its own its own level of suspicion but I am feeling well and I am doing well however I'm sure that y'all can understand that in November in the beginning of December it was just very kind of emotional and a little bit heavy and then farther into the month of December I and my spouse of course um, got blessed with a niece. We're very, very excited to welcome a niece into the world. Um, we have another niece that is due this month, so we are kind of getting a little a little one two action going on where the family is just growing rapidly. and we love being the cool aunt and uncle. We don't have kids, and um, we are very happy and contented not having kids, but we do enjoy kids and so there is this like very special joy that comes from you know welcoming in a baby into our larger family unit and um, so that's been sweet and then at the very end of December some other family stuff happened and I made the incredibly hard painful and necessary decision to no longer be on speaking terms with my parents and to really adjust how I interact and what boundaries I do or don't have around my family of origin. So the last couple months were just really full of a lot of family events And then a lot of recognizing that um, these people that I dearly love are able to love me only as much as they love themselves and that the way that that manifests just really doesn't um, align with who I am or my standards for being with people and spending time with people. And so that's been really emotional as well. And I'm sharing this mostly because as much as I am so excited for like a quote unquote fresh start and a new year, and I've got some resolutions and I'm so excited to talk about self-reflection and Sveta and um, we'll get into all of that. It is also like, it. not it, it just like life? <laughs> That there is both the joy and the excitement and the anticipation and there is the heartache and the grief and the relearning that is just part of the human experience. So I am very much sitting in this place that is like equal parts grief and angst and equal parts joy and excitement. And so whatever your holiday season was like, whatever your 2023 was like, I invite you to hold all of that with a lot of nuance, to acknowledge that there were things that were beautiful and good and lovely and meaningful, and there were things that were maybe heavy and hard and really significantly less enjoyable and and that you're allowed you're allowed to have this complex messy experience Um, one of my favorite modern poets says it this way that we live in an ongoing explosion like that's where we've as humans decided to make our home and so of course things are going to be messy and full and chaotic and filled with all the things. So so that's where I'm at and and I am truly genuinely so looking forward to this year. Um I feel that in a lot of ways the goals that I have for this year are very big. They're also rather intense. Um, but are also goals that I've kind of been like sitting on the fence about for a while. One of them, you will already know if you are a listener of the pod. And if you are a returning listener, thank you so much. Thank you for starting your 2024 with me. I am doing a no-buy practice. And as always happens around the holidays, my no-buy gets a little fuzzy um in part because I am buying things I'm buying gifts for people or I'm buying supplies to make gifts for people and um I'm getting Christmas money so I'm buying a couple items that um have been on my wish list for a while or a couple books that have been on my wish list for a while it is often books <laughs> Um but I also bought myself some singing bowls which I've already used for meditations I'm loving them so much and um, I bought myself some really nice skincare products. So all things that are still aligned with my no-buy practice thus far, but post-holiday, I do kind of want to reset, remind myself why a no-buy practice is so important and impactful to me and, and maybe shift the standards around a little bit just because they tend to, to loosen. They tend to get a little blurry during the Christmas season especially. So for me, that just looks like, um, one, some very like woo woo things. I, um, like to keep a crystal in my wallet. If only to remind me, like every time I open my wallet, I see that crystal and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm cleansing this practice. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm reframing why and how, and how often I'm going to reach for my wallet, um, I have had some experiences where I do feel like the the energy or the essence of the crystal in my wallet really does empower me to choose to not buy something that I was maybe just tempted to. And um, over the Christmas holidays, I did put a couple shopping apps back on my phone. I have since deleted those apps. But yeah, just kind of circling back to my own standards and some of those tools whether they be really tangible and logical like removing shopping apps or whether they be just a little bit more mystical like putting a crystal in my wallet um those are some things that I've done here this first week in January. And I've also started a donate bag. So often after the holidays, when all the, the new clothes and the new gifts and the new stuff and the gift cards and the Christmas money, and it's all like flowing into the house, which is beautiful, like there's a beautiful abundance there. Um, I'm not shaming that practice at all. But then I feel that the... Um, intentional thing for me to do is then to start a donate bag. And so as I've been cleaning up post holiday scrambles, um, I've been adding to the donate bag. Like, oh yeah, I got this new shirt. So, this old one that's sitting in the very back of my dresser drawer, I'm gonna pull that one out. I don't strictly do the one for one exchange like policy in a no buy practice, but it is kind of a lovely way to reset when so many new things have made their way into my home and life. So, a no buy practice, um, and I could even say like a very refreshed know by practice is a big part of my 2024 and I'm really excited to see what lessons there are for me to learn this time around. Another really big um, new year's resolution for me is to not drink alcohol. I've done practices in the past where I have avoided and or just significantly decreased my intake of alcohol, as well as the reasons to intake alcohol, if that makes sense. Uh, And I've never done it for a whole year. So I figured I'm already doing a no by practice. I'm already doing a, you know, limiting myself in order to grow, like setting up some boundaries in order to have space to expand. And I felt empowered to do that with alcohol too and I will say that in 2023 I read two books that I personally feel gave me a lot more tools to feel empowered to not rely on alcohol for some of its soothing properties the way that I have in the past. I hold my relationship with alcohol with a lot of nuance and a lot of compassion and grace. Um, so for me, a quote unquote sobriety practice is is not in any way linked to shame or to the desire to just restrict, restrict, restrict. To me, it really just feels like the natural evolution of something and one of the kind of visions that I have for this practice is that my first sip of alcohol in 2025 will be like champagne, like a champagne toast at the new year. So I'm kind of envisioning that one could even argue kind of manifesting that. And that's a really beautiful part to me of this practice is like a full year of letting the things in my body and brain that need to rewire around alcohol rewire and and then also knowing like that there is an end in sight and that it is celebratory and that it is bubbly and fizzy and honestly one of my my favorites i the my alcohol of choice tends to be a wine or a champagne so having that image is something that just feels really peaceful and also like worth waiting for if that makes sense and so that's a part of my practice this year Uh, and the two books that I read in 2023 that I do feel are supporting this this journey for me um, is Sober Curious by Ruby Warrington and Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker if that is something that's resonating with you as you listen. Another really big resolution for me in 2024 is really clearly, lovingly communicated big boundaries around my family. This happened again, kind of in part here at the end of 2023, but moving into 2024. I know my own patterns of behavior. I am aware of many of my own cycles. And so making it a New Year's resolution, saying like, okay, 2024 is the year that we are going to treat ourselves so much kinder and so much better, both financially as far as a no-buy year and um for me, a no by practice so often intersects treating my body better and my body image just because so much of the marketing that circulates around a 30 year old woman is about her body and the clothes that she wears and her wrinkles and, you know, the hair on her legs or whatever else. And so for me, a no by practice yes, is a way to take better care of myself financially, but is also a way to take better care of myself just as far as body image goes. And then with alcohol, I do feel like that's a better way for me to take care of my body. Like I know that alcohol is not good for the human body. And I also know that it's just become so normalized. And I'm looking forward to exploring more nourishing ways to enjoy cocktails as in mocktails and I also might explore like different teas. I've never tried any of the like adaptogen drinks or teas, but I'm wondering if that's something that I would enjoy. And um, my friend, one of my best friends is really into juicing and I helped her juice um, last year when I was over at her house and that was kind of inspiring. So for me, it's it's a very um, multi-layered like, motivation to say, not alcohol, but maybe all these other things I've never even taken the time to explore just because wine was available. So, um, taking better care of my body and then taking better care of my emotions, um, and my social life. I deeply love my family, but I've never really super intentionally determined what I want or even need from those relationships. They've just kind of always been there. And I think that's often the case with either friends that we've been friends with for a really long time or, or family members again, because they've known us or we've known them essentially our whole lives. And so there hasn't been the same kind of like, I want to get to know you now as an adult and determine like how we actually do like to spend time together. And can we do that in a way that is like safe and kind for all of us? Mm, Pardon the dog noise in the background. My, my poor sweet Sophie has kennel cough. I probably will not be motivated to board her possibly ever again. (laughs) This poor dog (laughs) is so sick. Um, I mean, she'll be okay, but we're just taking things really slow this week. Um, So yeah, those are my main goals, resolutions, intentions for the year ahead. They are pretty significant. Um, They're kind of intense goals, but I'm also really excited. I'm excited to see what opens up when these things are, become more habitual, when they become, when they feel more natural and aligned with, with me and my life. But enough about me, <laughs> just giving you the long-winded backstory of where I'm at. Let's talk about self-reflection, though, because the year really opens up and provides opportunity for reflection, I would argue monthly. And in yoga, one of the yamas, one of the kind of key foundational tenets of a yoga practice is svarihaya, which means self-study. And it's specifically self-study as a way to connect with the divine in ourselves. So, So whether you believe that's the Christ in you or the God in you or the goodness in you or your highest self, however you most comfortably define that, that is the practice of svadhyaya. It's self-reflection specifically in order to recognize the parts of you that are pure, that are good, that are kind, and to have relationship with, the heart of you, or the goodness of you. And I like to do this with full moons. There is a full moon approximately every 28 to 29 days, and astrologically, a full moon is in the sign of the previous six months, or in the sign of six months ago or six months into the future so for example in cancer season in the middle of summer in the midst of end of june much of july the full moon takes place in capricorn which is the sign that we're in this time of year it's the sign in december end of december and beginning of january so six months apart And that's how it is for every full moon. Every full moon, if you will, reflects the light of the season six months away. So full moons can be a really beautiful time to reflect. I personally like to use full moons to reflect on what was going on six months ago and the growth or evolution or changes that have taken place in my life between those six months, and then this culmination of a full moon. You can also think of this as a reflection for the future, which I know sounds kind of weird. We tend to talk about self-reflection like it's a thing of the past, Um, but this is where some people might use the word manifestation or manifesting to consider, at a full moon, how you hope the light or intention that you have with this full moon is fully brought into being, is fully embodied in six months. So that's just one idea, one way. Another beautiful self-reflection practice is journaling. Not everybody likes to sit down and write, and I totally get that. Um, Some ways that that could help is to have a guided journal Some people really benefit from a little prompt, whether it's the same one every day, like in something like a gratitude journal, or whether it's totally different, um, different prompts for you to consider kind of every week or every month. I think a lot of us think that in order for a journaling practice to be meaningful, it has to be daily. And I do find that some people enjoy daily journaling um, but not necessarily everybody and your journaling practice is just as legitimate if you only turn to it when you're kind of in the mood when writing is what feels intuitive to you another way to do this is through letters Um, I have a friend who is very into this practice and helped guide a small ritual for us um, on new year's eve where we wrote letters to ourselves to open at the new year in 2025 so in a full year but you can do this in a shorter time frame too you can write a letter to yourself at the beginning of one month like the beginning of january and then open it up at the end of january or the beginning of february you can do this on a weekly basis if if letter writing is what feels natural to you or it feels a little easier to kind of get your thoughts down on paper in that way that can be a really beautiful format to explore. Something else that I've done, especially when in the past I had really bad eczema or psoriasis and um, on my right hand, and so it made writing really painful. The eczema was all over my thumb and much of my pointer finger, so holding a pen or pencil just didn't feel like a comfortable option. And I would audio journal, much like I'm doing now. I would pull out my phone and I would set up a little recording space, and I would just talk to my future self. And sometimes afterwards, I would put a specific date on it. I would, you know, title the recording in my phone, come back to this on such and such a date. And it was often something a couple months into the future. And I would do that, and then I would come back to it a couple months in the future, and I would go, oh, yeah, like, that's where I was at. That's what I was processing That's what was really important to me that day or that week. And isn't it so wonderful to kind of see how small those problems look in retrospect or how healed those emotions have become over time, Um, how much more grounded I am in those feelings or in those situations now. So journaling can also just be recording. That's really all it is. Um, same thing with the letter writing. It's a way to record. It's a way to take note. And then I do highly recommend that even if you are a daily journal- journaler, excuse me, that you come back to your journal. Um, I save all of my journals like <laughs> like the weird author person <laughs> that I am, um, but I will go back to journals that are seven years old. And I will look at what I was, what was I doing this day? You know, if it's January 4th or 5th, I don't know what today is. Um, You know, in 2024, what was I doing January 5th, 2017? Like, what was I feeling then? And in that way, I feel that I have this firsthand catalog for me to return to. Um, Audio recordings can be just as powerful to do it that way. Gratitude journals can be lovely, but some way for you to just record, to, to make a record of what was significant for you, and then to honor that at some point in time in the future can be a really lovely self-reflection process. Another self-reflection process that I really enjoy is one that's deeply embodied, meaning very much in the body and that will be to pick a yoga pose. I used to pick like one yoga pose a month. Now I pick like one yoga pose a season. Um, This season, as it often is in winter, it's child's pose. And I will, to the best of my ability, practice this pose at least once a day or even a couple times a week. Maybe it's not every single day, but a couple times throughout the week. And I will, for, I mean, anywhere from two to five minutes. It doesn't have to be a very long or big practice. But I will be in child's pose and I'll be like, okay, take a couple deep breaths. And then I'll mentally or even out loud begin to list off what feels different in this pose than it did the last time I did it. So if I get in a child's pose, I might go, what feels different in my body, in this shape today than it did yesterday? And, or what variation of this pose do I want the most? Um, The first week of December, I was really into doing a child's pose with a bolster or pillow underneath my upper body. That was what felt the most supportive. And, uh, And it doesn't have to be any deeper than that. Like, it's just the observation of, what in my body feels best today and then noticing when it changes like I can't tell you what exact date it changed there was some day in there where it, like the bolster didn't actually feel the most supportive and I wanted my belly and my chest to be able to get closer to the floor And since then, my child's pose has changed where my belly is very close to the floor and I take my knees really wide apart. It almost looks more like a frog pose, like hips very open as opposed to a child's pose. And that's all the practice is. It's really in many ways so simple, but for me, it's very profound to notice the evolution of my own being and what she prefers one day over another And it's a way for me to practice being gracious with myself. It's a way to practice allowing the natural evolution that is the human experience. On that note, part of why I do so love the practice of svatahaya, the self-reflection, but specifically to connect to the parts of ourselves that are divine or that are the divine is because it makes all of these goals and hopes and reflections and habits and all of the things so, so loving and gentle. I am completely open to the fact that there may come a point in the year where I have a drink and I kind of, in some ways, ruin the ritual that I'm envisioning of a champagne toast to welcome in 2025 there may very well come a point where I buy something just out of habit, not even consciously really realizing it. And then after the fact, we'll realize that like, oh, that really threw a wrench in my no-buy plans and in the intentions I had set around that. And I think when we self-reflect only to self-optimize, or when we're interested in growth only because of the after picture or the end result, that we lose sight of the fact that we are always in process. I use the word evolving a lot, but I mean, the simplest way to say it is, you know, nothing ever quite stays the same. Like we're always changing a little bit. I believe it's a C.S. Lewis quote that says, Day by day, nothing seems different, but when you look back on the years, oh, how much you have changed. When I have these goals and habits because I think that I'm a person worth investing in and because I think I'm a body worth taking care of and because I am deeply interested in my relationship with the divine and with the goodness that is in me and around me, then when I fail, it's not really a, an insurmountable failure. When I fail, it becomes evidence of how hard I have been trying. When I fail, I'm able to reflect on how much effort these kinds of practices take and then to get right back to it because there's no judgment and there's no shaming. It's not like, oh, well, now I've had one drink, so I might as well have five. Or, oh, I bought one thing, so I might as well just toss out all of my no-buy plans. Or, oh, I broke my own boundary or standard with my family, so now I should just go back to the way things were. When a practice of growth, or goals even, is rooted in love and compassion then it actually makes it much easier to return to them with a vigor and with the same excitement that I feel now as I set them. It's more like a restoration of those goals as opposed to a resolution which can feel very black and white, can feel very like you're either winning at it or you're failing at it. I invite you, if you have historically been in the habit of setting yourself goals that maybe are measurable and tangible i think that that can be good and very powerful but that are also very black and white where you either succeed or you fail and there's no middle ground perhaps join me if you'd like in this practice of letting your own self-reflection and your own self-love or relationship with self be the guiding connection between you and the future that you are wanting to create, you and the goals that you are wanting to pursue. My goal at the end of the year isn't perfection or even perfect adherence to all of these things. My ultimate goal is that I feel much more taken care of, much more sure of my own capacity much more able to hold space for some of these things that can be uncomfortable, like no longer shopping, no longer drinking, no longer relying on family in the ways that I have in the past. And I know that there will be growing pains, but I also know that those pains... Don't mean that I'm doing it wrong or bad or incorrectly. And I also know that those pains might get really overwhelming and I may revert back to some of the self soothing or relationships that I don't actually want to perpetuate. And I know that that's okay. So if you need to hear that also at the beginning of 2024, I hope you know it's okay. It's okay if it doesn't go perfectly, because like since when has anything gone exactly according to plan? And also how beautiful it is that your life gets to be this big, messy, complicated, colorful thing. I'm so grateful that your existence is nuanced and layered and is full of depth and meaning. And it's okay that sometimes those layers get a little intertangled with one another and we don't quite end up where we thought we would be. I think all of us are way more worthy of a broad, diverse human experience and that the enticement of something like an after picture or a shiny end result actually is just another kind of distraction from our authentic selves, and our relationship with our divinity. I hope you know that you are divine in all of your messiness and colorfulness and loveliness. And I'm so grateful to get to witness it. And I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to witness mine today. This podcast is made entirely possible by Patreon sacred supporters. If you also consider this work sacred and would like to support the efforts of not only this podcast, but all the other artistic projects that I, Abigail Jewel, have going on, please go to patreon.com slash A-B-I-G-A-I-L-J-E-W-E-L-L, Abigail Jewel, and you can also find the Patreon page by searching for A Stillness. Thanks.